This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Sandra Francisco, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am very excited to be here. You know, when you got on the call today, I, you know, my, my listener can't see you. I can see you because we can, through the magic of, <laughs> of uh, video, we can see you. This is only an audio podcast, but you have such a happy look on your face, and which tells me you're a happy person and you love what you're doing. You love life. Is that true? That is true now. That has not always been true. I have been through a lot to be here. <laughs> I will <Okay>. say that. <laughs> okay. Well, put uh, put our listener into context for the conversation. Who are I mean, we know you're Sandra Francisco, but what do you do in, in your what do you do with your days? I mean, what do you what do you what how do you make a dent in the universe? Well, oh wow, that's a deep question right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go real deep. We'll go to the shallow end in a few minutes. <laughs> a dent in the universe. Well, first of all, I think is my impact on my kids. If you put it that way, I would say that just the example for my kids, not so much what I say, but what I try to show them every day. And and then the next piece would be the impact I would have with my clients. And that's highly energetic. Yes, I work with uh, the intellect as well. And I, because I work in, in that business and personal kind of that interplay. But the biggest impact I have with my clients is actually simply listening, holding presence for them and allowing their truth to come to the surface. If I'm going to answer your question, honestly, that's the core of what I do. When I became a coach, oh my goodness, how many years ago was, I can't even remember how many years ago it was. I was a talker. And then I learned, like I learned on the podcast, if you listen well, you can serve people better. So I, people go, what's your success with your podcast? I'm like, listen better and let the guests talk. What's the, what's your secret of being a good coach? listen to your client so you can serve them better. And so a lot of people are always like, what am I going to say next? Don't worry about that. Just listen. And I think listening in our world today is a lost art, almost like uh, people being quiet. You know, like uh, I tell people you should take time to be silent and people go, what, like, like not say anything. Yeah. It's like, it's such a foreign concept. So let's talk about listening. Why, why do you think people struggle with actually active listening? I mean, we, there's the listening and there's active listening. Oh, it, there is. And there's a huge difference. And I've struggled too, because for a long time I kept trying to, like you said, the thought would be like, we'll have to bring this person value. So let me bring the intellect. Let me say this. And I started to listen more and more when I got the feedback from clients there would be like an entire hour would go by and I probably said three things and they would be like, my whole world has changed. So I, I learned from experience that, oh, it's better if I say less. And then I learned to really just be present. I think it's uncomfortable for most people because we are told in this world that we are valued by what we do. Mm -hmm. So how can you charge somebody and charge them in coaching? It's usually a lot of money to get a coach and you just listen. There isn't a, a place in society that says that's okay or that's good. So to do that, you really have to find that for yourself. And it's been embracing my natural gifts that's allowed me to do that. But it goes against society to do that. A hundred percent. I have one client of mine who, whenever we get on a call, he vomits. Now, that's a really gross way to describe it. But he just goes, blah, 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 blah. And I used to cut him off. But I realized... He needs to get this out, number one, so I can see and hear how he's doing. And, and I found out if I don't cut him off, it ends quicker because he gets it all out. 
I remember when I used to be in retail another lifetime ago, Sandra, when someone was mad, a customer come in is mad. The best thing you can do is shut up, let them speak, and then they get it all out. And then you can have a rational conversation. But to your point, a lot of people are afraid. If I don't talk, I won't get, I won't get my, my words in. I'm like, okay, let them talk. And then you get your words in. Then they're going to be receptive to listening. Exactly. Because there's so much value in just holding presence for someone because there's so few people that do that. So I, I've heard this throughout 11 years in consulting and coaching. Many times I've heard, why are you a coach? Everybody's a coach. There's a million coaches. <laughs> and can you just call a friend? Don't you just call a friend if you need to go through something? <laughs> and the amount of people that will not listen to you, they will interrupt and give you their advice. And you should do this. And, and this is what you should do based on what's good for them. Usually it's like, how does that imp- like impact their own lives? They're going to give you advice. So when somebody is truly listened to, there is just something that happens to them that I don't even know how to put into words, but it really is this magical thing. Of, I feel like things from the unconscious become conscious because they're ready to hear it. Like they hear themselves. They've never heard themselves say these things. It's, I call it magic. Mm. I've often heard it said that you should give what you need. Do you agree with that? I, I think that that happens naturally. I think if you're conscious or unconscious of that, you know, I know so many coaches and of all kinds of different things, right? And everyone that I've met, because I'm highly intuitive and I can tell when I'm in presence of someone what is going on for them energetically, I think that is true for everybody out there serving. They're giving what they need, even if they don't know it. I think that's true. A hundred percent. So let's talk about transitioning from a job to a business. My, my listeners know my story. If you're, if you've never listened to the show before, because the awesome Sandra's here, welcome. I'm so glad you're here, but I was fired from my job back in July, 2005 from a corporate job. And I became an entrepreneur, didn't know how to spell it. Didn't really know what it was, but I became an entrepreneur and I struggled for so long because I didn't know what I was doing. And then I found these things called coaches and I hired this coach and, and I would, you know, buy this course and go to this webinar and go to this conference. And I never got clear, like, what did I want to do? I wish someone would have told me, okay, you want to become an entrepreneur. You want to open your own business. Stop. Just take two or three weeks off and just get clear. But I was just like stumbling and bumbling. So let's talk about the transition from the job where you go to Monday through Friday, nine to five, whatever the case may be, to owning your own business because contrary to what people think, you're not going to become Jeff Bezos as soon as you quit your job. Uh, no, that doesn't really happen. <laughs> I mean, people go at their own paces. I've got clients that really did it part-time. They didn't even leave the business. They had, were transitioning, but they started the business part-time. And then with 18 months, they were able to fully transition with a very healthy profit level. But it really depends. Some people, three, four years, it really, really does depend. In that transition time, for me, and again, this is, I can only speak from my experience, the biggest challenge was the identity crisis mm-hmm. because there is a title. There is a bunch of people that are associate and give you value for that title and for what you've accomplished. And then all of a sudden you're on your own and technically you're starting. So you haven't accomplished anything. So it's kind of going from like whatever this definition was to kind of nothing. And I didn't know how to spell entrepreneur either. I still have trouble with that. So I totally get it. You're like, I I didn't even call myself an entrepreneur for years because I didn't even understand. Do I qualify? Like, what is that? So it's just, there's a lot that happens in that transition. The number one thing I see with my clients as well, and and probably because the energy that I have, is that 
who am I? Who am I now? What is it that I want to bring into the world? What is, how does that translate to brand, to pricing, to all of the business pieces, but also where does it come from? And then the other piece that I see that's very common is that structure. Because when you were in a job, somebody else did structure for you. Yes. You were supposed to be somewhere, do something. Somebody usually sometimes even managed your schedule. And now you got to be your own boss, which I always love to say, congratulations, it's on you. <laughs> Yeah, definitely no passing the buck. There's no passing the buck when you're on your own, because to your point, when you go to a job, you may be this, your job role as ABC. But when you go out on your own, you are the CEO, you're the janitor, you're the secretary, you're the salesperson. And you're like, oh, crud, I didn't know how to do all this stuff. And everybody thinks entrepreneur is so great. And I love being an entrepreneur, but they look at the Gary Vaynerchuk's. Okay, he's been doing it, first of all, for 15, 20 years. Okay, we look at him now. But if you go into early years, he struggled too. Everyone struggles out of the gate because we have this. You talk about identity. You have this false sense of reality. You think you're going to leave the $7,500,000 a year job and then boom, you're going to make that kind of money. But like you said, you start from the ground. People are like, who's Sandra? Who's Mark? I don't know who these people are, but they knew the company you work with. And I don't think people understand that. They see the finished product or not the finished product, but a much more refined product of entrepreneurs nowadays. It's difficult. And I want people to say, hey, you know, you only get one life. So if you want to be an entrepreneur, go ahead and go for it. Go live your dream, but do it smartly because that's something, Sandra, I did not do very smartly. And granted, I was forced into it because I was fired. Um, but if you want to be an entrepreneur, go for it. But stop and slow down a little bit. Would you agree with that? I do. I very, very much agree with that. And that's why a lot of my clients, when they come to me in that space of transition, they haven't yet transitioned. We look at the numbers. We look at what realistically, what can you do? What savings do you have? What is it that you can put into this investment? Can you leave your job realistically? Because sometimes when the desire, it's like, I just want to get out of here. And it's a running away almost. Like, I just want to get out of here. But the reality hasn't caught up. Like, but can you? What does this look like? You know, to leave your job. And a lot of times I hear people say, I can do it. I've got three, four months of money. And I'm like, that is not something I would not work with that person because that would give me anxiety. So I'm like, you know, let's look at the reality of the numbers. And a lot of times you can do a lot part time. It's just going to take a lot longer. But I've watched client after client after client launch beautiful, amazing, productive, profitable businesses part time. But it took them years. Mm -hmm. They did have to go slower. It did take them years. But to leave in a rush because you want to get out because you're miserable where you are. You know, what I've seen is wherever you go, there you are. I I love that. And I will tell you that I would never go back and change the fact I got fired because I'd probably still work, be work for that company. I would never change all the stumbling and bumbling. I did. I, I, I share this all the time on my show, but for the benefit that you don't know it from losing my job in July, 2005 until the end of 2020, I made a total of 40, thousand dollars not a year total okay i had a very loving and supportive wife who paid all the bills i was trying to figure things out and i made so many stupid mistakes but now i look back at that and i don't get angry i'm like okay man i learned a lot of lessons of what to do not what to do and when people come to me and says look i'm thinking about going on my own i'm like stop okay let me share my story with you and let me tell you all the mistakes i make okay Getting a coach is fine, but if you have no money, you can't hire the coach. Okay. Don't be building websites and products and all. You you need to get clear of this one message I would tell people. 
when you want to become an entrepreneur, make sure you're crystal clear of what you want to do with this endeavor. A lot of people think they figured out as they go. And that's fine if you have a general idea, you know, east, west, you know, north, south, that's fine. But if you have no idea, first of all, don't quit your job. Second of all, maybe you get a couple friends and go, look, I got some ideas. What do you think about this? Because if you don't do that, you're going to make a lot of the mistakes I made. And I don't want people to make them because it took me almost 15 years to recover from that. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Struchowski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. I love that you're so honest about that. I have a question for you when we get to that portion when it comes to that, because I've heard you say that before. Um, I, I, I agree with you. This is why I started actually my group program is to be able to help people that are looking to do that transition. And I take them through a four month plan, which is to explore, to plan, to develop and launch a business. Some of them do it in four months. Some of them take longer because if they're doing it part time, that actually four months can even extend into eight months. Mm -hmm. And I do keep them. They can continue to come on ongoing calls because I know how much support somebody needs at that level. And exactly for everything that you said, I also stumbled. And I mean, my story leaving corporate wasn't one that I left uh, to start a business. I actually, I did choose to leave. I did resign, but I was experiencing really intense anxiety the year before. And I felt like I had to leave to save my life. So that was also the reason why I left. And then I, again, I wasn't planning to start a business. It's just one thing led to the other. And then that option came up and then I didn't know what I was doing. All my friends were still in corporate. I didn't even know what a coach was in the beginning. So I did all kinds of stumbling, even though I have, you know, a business background and I have a business degree and I had done a lot of business stuff in corporate launching like national products. It's a completely different world on your own. So there's so much that I, like you, stumbled and, you know, didn't even know where I was going. And luckily things kind of just showed up for me organically, which I'm so grateful for. But that's why I started to really focus in on new entrepreneurs because of my story, because of the stumbling, because of putting all the pieces together, putting in like the 20 years of product development into, into the mix. And then the 11 years of personal development and all the mistakes and all the stumbling. It's like you put it all together and then you service others with it, right? Back to mm -hmm. what we said. We're all doing what we wish we had or what we want to give, right? <laughs> yeah. It's funny when I first told my parents I was going to be a coach. And of course, they're thinking soccer coach. What, what sport are you going to coach? I'm like, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. And I'm like, how can I explain this to my parents? Because, you know, there's, they're in their 70s. That You know, how do you explain this? I'm like, well, do you know who Tony Robbins is? No. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, well, I kind of like. I kind of like a therapist, but not really a therapist, but sort of like a therapist. And I, I don't think I ever explained to my parents what I do. And then I, then I told them I was an entrepreneur and that even confused even more. So I'm like, <laughs> um, well, what's for dinner? You know, it's just because yeah, exactly. my, my parents, they just don't get it. You know, I love my parents to pieces, but they just don't get it because, you know, you and I were entrepreneurs. We get it. But we assume that everyone knows the coaches. And the first question I asked someone when they want to hire me as a coach, I said, have you ever hired a coach before? Because I want to know before I tell them my price, if they've never, if they hired a coach, they know about how much coaches cost. If they never hired a coach before, they're like, oh, I'm thinking 10 bucks. No, yeah. no. And so I always ask that question. Plus, when you work with a coach, you're working with someone one-on-one, -on -one, usually if the one-on-one coaching scenario. And I'm like, it's a lot of work. It's not like a therapy session. There's a lot of work. I will hold you accountable. And so I, I can't speak highly enough of coaches. I've got a coach now. Coaches have coaches for a reason. 
I heard Tony Robbins had six coaches. And I remember asking the coach, I'm like, why does Tony Robbins have six coaches? He's a high performer. And they said, why do you think he's a high performer? And then I found out Michael Jordan has a coach and Tiger Woods has a coach. That's why they're so good. So coaches can see your blind spots. That's why we do what we do. Yes. And I, I don't think that I would be as good a coach as I am if I hadn't got coaches to help me. 100%. And there was a coach I worked with about four years ago that he was just amazing. And our techniques were very similar. And as he was working with me, I was getting benefit. But at the same time, I'm like, oh my God, this is what I do for people. Oh, I can never stop doing this. Like the value just grew so much because I could feel what I was getting. And I'm like, but I do what he does. Oh, this is why I get that feedback. And, and I honestly, I always say to people, even in different industries, Go experiment for what you're selling. Like, go experiment what you're selling and make sure you like it. <laughs> yes. Well, my wife and I go to a Bible study where it's supposed to be 50 to 65 year olds. It's really 60 to 70 year olds. And we're 55. Okay. They, there's only one entrepreneur in our Bible study class. The rest of the people go, What do you do? What are you going to do at retirement? I'm like, We're in church. You don't say that. Don't use vulgar language like that. And like, you don't want to retire. I'm like, why would I want to retire from something I love to do? And they're like, well, what if you want to take a day off? I said, I could take a day off. I don't have a board of directors or anybody. I'm my own boss. And they're, it's the concept is so foreign to them that they're like, wait, you could just take any day you want. Yeah. I could just say, Hey, listen, Mr. Or Mrs. Client, can we move to your point and take the day off? And they're like, seriously, that's a thing. I said, yeah, it's a thing, but they're so they've been in the corporate environment for 45, 50 years. That's all they know. And I don't fault them for that. I don't fault anyone for doing what they love to do. If that's what you love to do, and, and maybe you're in it for the security, for the vacation, for the retirement, great, good for you. But a lot of people like you and me, we like the challenge because no two clients are ever the same. They all have different baggage. I have different baggage. You have different baggage. And so I love being an entrepreneur. I, I've been out of entrepreneur. I've been out of corporate America for 16 years. I, I don't think I could ever go back. I really don't. Me, me neither. I, for me, it's been 11 years and I just don't know how I would survive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what is your favorite part of being an entrepreneur? I mean, you said you had kids, so you probably get to spend more quality time with your kids. Like with my daughters, they're 23 and 27 now, but when they're younger, I could go all their school events. I go everywhere they went because I was in charge of my business. So what are some of the things you love about being an entrepreneur? Yes. I, uh, so my, for my kids, I was always able to drop them off and pick them up from school because they were little when I, when I left corporate. And for me, that, that was just nice. I mean, I don't fault anybody if they can't do that. It's not, you know, you need to, but I loved being able to do that. That was really important to me. And yes, being able to, like you said, I love, love being able to say, um, I'm going to take a day or two days or three days. And I have, I don't work with people that are not nice people. So they're all very understanding when I'm like, I need to reschedule. So I don't, you know, I don't bring in clients that would hate me if I reschedule. So love to be able to reschedule and say, I just need self-care day. I need a me day or I need a day with my kids and move things around. I love going grocery shopping in the middle of the day. When I first left corporate, <laughs> it was like, I was a child again. I'm like, it's noon and I'm going grocery shopping. <laughs> Yay. It's the little things. See, these are the little things you get to do. So like I'm a daily runner. Okay. And I live in Houston, Texas. So when it's cool out, like I woke up this morning, we're recording this on April 19th. The listeners hearing this on April 20th, I woke up and I'm like, you know what? It's 48 degrees, but it's going to be 70 in the afternoon. So I'm going to go in the afternoon. You can do that when you're an entrepreneur. 
But if you have to go to a job nine to five, you have to leave your house at six o'clock in the morning because the three hour commute, you don't have as much flexibility. So although it's a more of a challenge to grow your business because just because you build it, they won't come. I, I can tell this from firsthand experience just because I hung, created my website. I didn't get massive amount of traffic, but it's fun. And every day is a challenge. And I love my wife so much because she understands that entrepreneurs never really like turn off being an entrepreneur. So ideas can come from anywhere. I mean, I could be in the car. I could be at church. Boom. An idea pops up. I record. It. I always carry my bullet journal with me and I always write ideas in because you got to capture that inspiration when it hits, because if you try to remember it later, that idea is long gone. Uh, yes, exactly. There is very little separation. It just, and, and even what comes up for you in your human self comes up from what you're experiencing in business. And again, this is what I do too. I focus with people that are wanting to do the inner work and the outer work. Mm -hmm. So grow the business, grow yourself. That's the interplay that I work with. And that you don't have to go searching and, you know, go to therapy to figure out, okay, let me go down this road or that road. The business will give you something every day that you need to work on. You'll be triggered by another person, by a competitor, by a client, by a thought that comes in your head. Why am I not growing so fast? There's always something the business is serving up that if you're choosing to pay attention and you want to do the work, it's like, okay, there's another one. Let's go down that road and figure out what's there. <laughs> so in your experience as a coach, what are maybe two to three mistakes people make once they leave the corporate world, they've established their, let's assuming the financials are in order. What are two or three mistakes that people make as they continue down their road of building their own business? So you said the number one thing that I see is they spend a money, a ton of time, usually a little bit of money, but a ton of time building this beautiful, graphically pleasing website with this little touch and that little touch and a month goes by and I'm working on my website. And like you said, people don't magically find websites. And after you've done the website, then what's the plan? Like, how are you going to get traffic and all of that? And usually when I find them at that point where they're either in the middle of doing the website or starting the website, I will ask questions of like, do you understand your target market? Who are you marketing to? What's the brand? What's the message? And they haven't gotten to that yet, but they've spent all of this time and money to make something shiny, pretty, but there's no substance yet because they haven't done that work. So that, that I see as one of the number one mistakes. The other piece has to do with ads early on. So maybe they've already moved on and they're getting some clients and then they're early, like probably, you know, let's say making, you know, less like a thousand dollars a month or something. And they're starting to take that money and putting it into Facebook ads. I have never seen that be successful. I, I understand for some people it could be, but again, because they're putting it into ads and they're so early on, they don't understand the ideal client. They don't even understand that language. They haven't done the research to understand what, what language does my client speak? So you may think it's one way, but they may use other words. So when that's not there, you're just playing. Like Then Facebook ads become like, might as well go to Vegas. Like <laughs> you're, you're playing the same game at that point, right? Mm -hmm. So those two, I see almost always at some level, because that's what we're told too. I mean, go study entrepreneurship on, you know, YouTube, Facebook, anywhere. And you're always told this is how you start, you know, create your brand, like meaning graphic and your logo, start your website, you know, start running traffic to your website. It's kind of like the one, two, three that most people teach. And it's like, you know, there's about 50 before those one, two, three. <laughs> yes. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to MrProductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click the link. 
what's amazing is I know some people uh, will go into business themselves and I'm like, how's it going? Well, I'm looking for a VA. And I'm like, you have yes. no income. You have no income. Well, I heard that you should have a VA. Yeah. When you can afford to pay them, they don't work for free. They, you have to pay them. And I had a friend of mine who wanted to start their own podcast and they waited and waited and waited. I'm like, what are you waiting for? Oh, I got to hire a pro producer and an editor. I'm like, do you know who Joe Rogan is? Well, yeah. One of the biggest podcasters in the world. Do you realize in the first 200 episodes, he did everything himself, everything. Really? Yeah. So when you start out, number one, I think you should do everything yourself. So when you bring people on, you could tell them how to do it. And number two, you need to understand your business better than anyone else on the planet. And you can't do that by giving it to a VA or hiring a producer. You got to learn how to do it yourself. Now, is there going to be a lot of pain and trial and tribulations? Of course, but you're going to become a better entrepreneur, a better business owner. If you go through the pain, than if you have someone else do it all, especially if they leave you, then what are you going to do? You're like, uh oh, I didn't know how to do that. Then you're then you're really in a world of hurt. Yes, yes, and hiring. That's the other thing. As they grow, hiring is something that's more of a growth issue. But it's you have no idea what you're hiring. You and then you don't understand that hiring actually requires you to be present and to be a teacher and to. So I hear a lot of when I work because my consulting clients are more seven eight figure clients. That's a hiring challenge all the time because it's like just bring somebody in, give them the job, and let them go, and then they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. And it's like, do you? Does anybody in this company? And and if you're starting out on your own, do you know what that job is? because you're going to have to teach somebody. You have to know it enough to be able to teach somebody. Yes. Well, we talked a lot about everything today. A great episode, lots of insights. And I want to thank you for sharing all that. Now we're going to go to the part of the show where you get to ask me anywhere from one to three questions. I have no idea of what you're going to ask me. Although I have a little hint because you did hint it earlier in the show. And so Sandra, you are the temporary host of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I hereby give you the microphone. Awesome. I was excited for this part. So I, I actually heard you say this in a couple of other episodes, and I was so curious to know, did you always feel comfortable saying like how much money you made when you talked about, yeah, it struggled and it took me this long to make this money? Did you always feel comfortable or is there a time where you felt like any shame or like, oh, if I say this, I won't have clients? I'm just so curious about that. In the beginning, I was very, very ashamed because I thought, you know, I couldn't get this thing to go. And, you know, I played the blame game and I was really embarrassed. And then I think it was probably Gary Vaynerchuk said something a couple of years ago that really resonated with me. He said, there's more people, if you're struggling, there's a lot more people struggling like you than are not. I believe Pareto's principles alive and well, any social media platform, any entrepreneur, 80% of the people are struggling. 20% are doing well. Okay. The problem is most people are ashamed of it. When I did a video on LinkedIn, I think about a year and a half ago, I told my story. I got so many DMs going, oh my gosh, me too. And I thought I was the only one. And so I'm telling people, you don't go out and make hundreds of millions of dollars when you go out on your own. It's a struggle. And I know people today are struggling. And if you look at their profiles on social media, you think they got it all figured out, but I know they can't pay their mortgage. I know they know how to go to feed their family. And I'm like, okay, what is the advantage of telling people I've got it all figured out? I make more money than Jeff Bezos. That doesn't serve the, my listener or my clients. So I tell them, hey, listen, I'm still figuring this thing out. And, I, and when I make seven figures, eight figures, nine figures, 15 figures, I'll still be figuring it out because the most successful people are continuously student first. And so I don't feel shame that I'm not making six figures yet. Okay. I'm not. Why? 
because it's reality. I don't see any point of telling people the, the a lie because here's my thing, Sandra. If I tell you when I'm making, let's say, $500 a month, I'm killing it. Okay. And then all of a sudden I start making $500 an hour. I'm killing it. You're going to go, are you lying to me now? Or are you lying to me then? And so I just tell people the truth. And I tell you the truth. When I say this, I track more people to me because I'm a very open than when I was lying. So I hope that answers your question. That does. And, I, and you answered the follow-up because I was going to ask, did anything happen energetically when you did that? And you just yeah. answered that. You even got more people to come. Yes, it, because people going, this guy is a really, uh, a really honest guy. And one of the things, there's a lot of very big entrepreneurs out there. But one of the people I really admire is Gary Vaynerchuk. Not his potty mouth. But I love Gary because you can see Gary on the street and go up and say hi to him. You can see Gary in an airport and go say hi to him and he'll talk to you. A lot of other people who have made it, I'm not going to call them out in the show. That's not the part in the show, but unless you pay them a hundred thousand or more money a year to be in their mastermind, you're never going to get one-on-one reactions of connection with them. Now I'm not saying they're bad for that. That's not what I would do. I'm a, I'm a person that whether we disagree or whatever, I love everybody. I think everyone on this planet has got a nice heart and they love, they're, they're full of love. I really believe it. Okay. And so I want to be a clean version of Gary Vaynerchuk because I'm not better. I can make more money than Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk put together. I'm not better than anyone. I'm not better than the person that, that cleans toilets at the local school. I'm not better than them. And once I got that, it took me about, I think three, four years ago, I finally got it. I'm like, I'm just part of the humanity that's trying to serve people on this planet. I'm no better than anyone else. I'm, I'm me. I love that. I love that. It took me a lot of inner work to get to that point as well. But it is that feeling is freedom. Mm -hmm. That is the most amazing feeling. So uh, congratulations, because I know it, I know what it took for you to get there because I've been through that <laughs> ride. So for that, congratulations. And thank you for being honest and saying that, because that's what I say to clients all the time, that when they bring me examples, I'm like, I bet you if you look behind the curtain, that may not be the truth. Mm -hmm. And it's just that you're a beautiful example for people, especially starting out, that it can be a struggle. It doesn't have to be a struggle, but it can be. And the being truthful, being honest with your audience not only is it going to be, you know, good for you, but it will bring the right people to you. So I love that. My next question for you is what is your greatest gift? That moment of being a coach that you still remember of like, this is why I do it. When I give a piece of advice to my client and I see their eyes light up, they get it. They're like, and like, and I don't say anything. I, I've learned, I learned not to talk at this moment when the client gets it and I can see, can we do zoom calls for the coaching calls and I can see it in their eyes. They're like, oh, I could, the, the gate just got unlocked. I mean, that to me is so thrilling because, you know, you have clients too, and you tell them things and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they don't do it. And there's no, I think there's no, nothing more frustrating when you give a client, you advice, you know, good is good. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it'll help them, but they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when they actually, when they actually do it and the, the gate gets unlocked or the door gets unlocked and you can tell by the look on their face and their tone of their voice, man, that is like the angels singing up in heaven. It's like, yes, doesn't happen a lot. I mean, it doesn't happen to every client. Cause obviously that's usually a major breakthrough, but I love that moment. Yes, I know. Oh gosh. We could be twins. I feel like we're having the same experience. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. Okay, last question. The years where you were struggling and, you know, struggling especially to make money financially, did you think of giving up? And and if you did, why didn't you give up? I did think of giving up. And my wife is my biggest cheerleader. She has never doubted me. I mean, I've been good months without making a dime. Okay. She never doubted me. And I had clients come on board and like, where have you been all my life? I mean, they're still with me now. They're like, where have you been all my life? And if you ever read Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, I recommend every entrepreneur read this book every year. The story about three feet from gold. And the story goes, this guy was digging for gold. And he's making lots of gold. And just when he broke even with all the equipment he had to buy, no more gold. So he looked and looked and looked and drilled and drilled and drilled, couldn't find it. So he gave up, gave all the equipment to a junk man who hired a, um, not a seismologist, like a guy who knew the, the, you know, the veins, the gold veins and the art, the rocks and stuff like that. Forget the exact terminology. And he goes, Oh, it's only three feet away. If he would have gone three feet more, if he would have hired an expert, like a coach, he would have had so much gold. He'd been wealthy the rest of his life. And my wife says, look at you are so close. You are. I know you're so close. It's like we're going up the, the best roller coasters in the, in the world. My wife and I love roller coasters and you're almost at the top of the hill. And she goes, if you give up now, what did you get a major client next week? And now I don't have a major client, like a, like a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, but I've got clients that every product I put out, they buy every training I do. They buy, they tell everyone, oh my gosh, you got to get Mark's program. And had I had a wife that didn't believe me, I would have quit. And that's why I tell people, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you've got to get buy-in from your spouse. No string. Do not try to run an entrepreneur business without buying from your spouse because they're going to nag you. How come you're not making a million dollars? How come we're not in Tahiti? How come we don't have a private plane? And it's going to demoralize you. So you've got to have a spouse on your side. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. I love it. I love that. I mean, well, say thank you to your wife or we wouldn't have had this exchange either. Exactly. Those are three great questions. Thank you so much. The final question I have for you, Sandra, is, is it Sandra or Sandra? Whatever you like. I hear many variations. I do interviews like all over the world now, and I am used to many variations of my name. Okay. Well, where can we go find out more about you and what you're doing in this world? The best place is actually my website. So SandraIFrancisco.com. I is actually for my middle name, Isabel. And there you can find there's a free course right on the main site. So if you are starting, it helps you to pick the right idea for you and helps you to get started in those early stages. And also the socials are there. So if you want to connect with me, if you have a question, you can go to Instagram. I'm usually most active on Instagram. Send me a DM and I'm happy to answer any questions. If you're starting out and you're struggling, you are not alone. Reach out for help. There's many people (laughs) that will be willing to help. Excellent. Well, thank you for being such an energetic guest on the show. I love guests to come on the show and match my energy. You are toe-to-toe with me the whole entire episode. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.